And welcome to Comic Talkers, where comics is always the top of our discussion. My name is Brandon. And I'm William. And today we are doing our second book club for Batman Month. This time we are going over Darwin Cook's Batman Ego. Now, Willie, how familiar you how familiar are you with Darwin Cook? Um, honestly, not too well, not off the top of my head. Um, you know how I am when it comes to like the creators of something. I don't really get into it, but the name always sounds familiar. Um, I definitely recall like reading some of the batman comics that he's been a part of right and i'll give you a little brief history you i know we've talked about batman or not just batman animated series but along with the animated movies of dc he is actually one of them that wrote one of the books and i believe he actually helped direct it dc the new frontier he also does stories like parker which by the way if you guys have never heard of parker please go look it up it is such a great noir story um, he's worked on a relaunch for the spirit. Um, and not only that, he's the person that put this wonderful introduction for Batman, the animated series, which by the way, you can go listen to our last episode, episode 37, where we talk about the top 10 episodes of Batman, the animated series. This he's actually one of the guys that worked on that show quite a bit. Darwin Cook was more into the animated series and then he started writing. So the book that we're going over is by far, I think, one of the most underrated books of his. And and I know when we went over year one, I mentioned Darwin Cook being on my Mount Rushmore. He's just a great writer, writer. And on top of that, he's such an interesting guy because he actually does the art for it, too. So he's not just the writer. He also does all the work work for it. And I love his artwork. I love the stories he makes. Now, Batman and Ego, I'm going to tell you right now, is a very psychological story wouldn't you agree willie oh yeah definitely it is a very very psychological story but mind you it's probably one of batman's shortest stories it is only seven pages and granted it's if you guys are interested with buying the book it's actually called batman ego and other tales we're only going to be covering batman ego out of this story and out of this book the other stories are really good just not enough to cover a podcast with it's we're going to mainly just focus on the main story of the book and by far i guess a good way to really summarize this before we really get into it is when you read a little introduction from darwin cook in the book he actually states he always wanted to do a book based around batman and bruce wayne sitting at the same table and having a conversation would, would you agree willie that this conversation was a really extensive conversation yeah, definitely. It's it's uh it's <laughs> I'm losing the words for it right now. <laughs> it's definitely a very psychological like take on it. And in a way, kind of a supernatural or paranormal type thing. Hmm. It's a it's it's as like you're talking to yourself but not yourself. Okay. No, I'm actually kind of curious. When we get to the end of the book, I kind of want to go back to that point, um, like you said, with the supernatural cost, because I kind of want to be curious of how you caught that, because I didn't really catch that. So it's actually kind of interesting if you saw something that I did. it. That's awesome, because that's why I love doing these book clubs, is that we can share our opinions, even though we might not have the same opinions as each other. So mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and jump, um, give you a little bit right back into the history of the story. Um, 
it was released in the great year 2000 willie you remember that year 2000 i tell you man oh the greatest right before everything went downhill (laughs) um to this batman ego actually explains the story of bruce wayne and the trauma he once experienced as a young boy and how this has led him to see what it if this trauma fractured bruce's mind the story's villain is batman himself as he is a symbolic side of revenge and justice while bruce represents the rational and humane side so what further so without further ado we're going to get right jump right into the story um batman ego starts off with bruce or batman at this case um trying to chase down a guy who was considered an accomplice of joker during a recent crime joker just had um or just committed um this crime ended up leading 27 people to die and this guy that he's going after his name is buster snitz which he finds out he is actually stolen four hundred thousand dollars from a charity event um while batman is waiting for buster to show up we notice that he's bleeding heavily and banged up pretty good he also recounts the story of buster the night before as bat we find out batman actually confronts him to find where the joker was Shortly after this recount, he says something I think brings up the whole point of the story. I realized long ago that I can't change the world. In three years, I've come to realize that I can't appreciably change this city. I've begun to wonder if the only thing I can change is myself. Willie, what do you think about that quote? I thought that was actually a pretty interesting quote. Yeah, it's a very good one. It's It definitely like shows some of the conflict that batman goes through and they never really talk about so it's like one of those interesting takes that you don't hear from batman a lot right it it really was when i ran across this quote i marked it right away or annotated it because i was like that is such an interesting quote and and again this isn't the only quote i'm going to bring up in the story we're not going to we're going to bring up in the story there are quite a bit of quotes that i think is very great for this story mm-hmm. and it really does sum up a lot and and before we go too much further um i just got to point out i love the art style for this one does it not look like batman the animated series the way he draws yeah. everything it looks fantastic it really does yeah. darwin cook is an amazing drawer that's why i said not only is he a great writer he is a great artist and this guy if you love like i said batman ego and you want to look at different things really look at dc the new frontier yeah they definitely look like still frames from the show yes it really does it's such a great show the only thing i don't like we'll get to it later on is this batmobile i can't stand it i didn't (laughs) like it so going back to the story really quickly um as he finishes these thoughts buster starts to drive down the bridge that batman stands and wait but something weird actually happens which is buster just suddenly stops the car gets out of the car walks to the edge of the bridge and tries to jump off but when he tries to jump off batman of course swings in to save him uh, batman then confronts buster which buster comes out to finally say that joker was pretty much after him because he snitched so that's what, and he would that he would also kill his family and we find out buster actually killed his family he was not going to leave it in the hands of that maniac. So he killed this family. Then what happens is, is after he, Batman tries to save him, he pretty much puts him back on the ground. Buster pulls out a gun and shoots himself right in front of Batman. 
Um, yes, it, it does get a little dark, so please bear with us. It is, you know, it's a very psychological story, like we said. Um, so Batman drives off from the scene, um, still bleeding, everything like that. And he starts to somewhat hallucinate. He starts to remember all these things that's happened in his past. And one of the other things I loved was uh, Hugo Strange. He starts thinking about a thought that Hugo Strange has brought up before. And this is a thought he thought of. Um, Hugo states in this little memory that he craves fame, but only as this fictional construct. The Batman, this of course indicates both schizophrenia and a split personality. As, so again, kind of an interesting thought. Now, before we really get into that part of it, because that will lead to the main part of the story, do you feel when you really look at Batman, he at least has a split personality? Um, it's it's hard to say. In this, definitely, you can get those vibes, and in a couple of other comic books, you can definitely get the vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, if you reference like. If you reference like the show or the movies, you can kind of say that it's a split personality, but more like a forceful one. Okay. Where this, it looks like it's not voluntary. It's just like it was just something that happened over time and developed. Right. No, interesting thought. Um, so, pretty much, we go back to Batman. He gets pretty much all patched up, everything. But after he gets patched up, he looks at a picture of his parents and he tells the picture what had happened that or pretty much that night. Um, but long behold, someone starts to talk to him. And in this, what was it? And you see Batman himself. Now, Batman in the story looks like this big old volt like creature, it, it, like a demon of some sort. Bruce is standing to the side. So that's why you're going to hear us call him Batman and you're going to hear us call him Bruce because there's two people in this story. And that's who there's really talking is both Batman and Bruce. So when we talk about Batman, you know, it's Batman. When it's Bruce, we're talking about Bruce Wayne. So pretty much. Um, so what was funny, though, and I, I love this scene is he thought it was like a virus. So he just like turns off all his computers and everything like that. He's, I don't need this right now. And um, it's the escape button pretty much. What was it? And he just blames it on him losing a lot of blood. Uh, the voice actually does return. And he and one of the things I said um, that I loved, he said was, I will not be dismissed. I will not. I am not a costume, a persona you can cast off. I'm the very heart of you. During your youth, I lay dormant within. Pretty, pretty daunting quote. Like he, this guy is not messing around. Like what, what it's at first, it's kind of like what's going on. But then you find out. Um, and it's kind of funny, which I love this scene too, is that when they're talking, Batman pulls Bruce back to his past and goes actually back to the picture Batman's looking at when he was talking about what had happened. Um, they go to Christmas. Now, this is not, this is shortly before his parents are shot. And this is a really interesting story. So during this time, they're all having fun, everything like that, that they were, it was pretty much born on Christmas is what Batman said. Me and you started our connection back on Christmas, pretty much. Uh, this, I, there was no year really specified. 
but when he we just know Bruce was a kid when this all happened. Now, Thomas during Christmas, Thomas Wayne, who's Bruce Wayne's father, was called to an emergency. Now we know Thomas Wayne for any Batman fans out there is a doctor. And so he's called to what was it to an emergency, but to a, to help a guy by the name of Edward Fletcher. Thomas decides to take Bruce with him so they could spend a little bit more time in the car or spend some time together. But so when they get to the house, Thomas actually tells Bruce to stay in the car. Don't get out, stay here, play with your toys. So he does, but then of course he tries to sneak in. At first things seem to, he sees as Thomas trying to save Edward, but it was too late. Edward died right in his bone bed. And during their car ride home, Bruce asks Thomas if him and mom will, if him and his mom will die as well. Thomas responds back with yes, but not before their time. When they hear this, Batman says to Bruce that is that it, it was shortly after that this had, that this had happened, or that his parents were killed. And this is probably one of the most another interesting quote from Batman. And Batman actually addresses this, and he goes. Batman exploded within Bruce's young heart when his parents were shot. And such an interesting quote, because you you think about that, and that's when he said, I will not have pretty much anybody go through what I just went through. That's when Batman began. And so what was it? Before I get jump to a question for you, Will, too, um, I'm going to finish this up really quickly, this section. Even though you thought you were ready, and he's, and he's still quoting, Batman's still quoting this to Bruce. Even though you thought you were ready, you still had to come to terms with me. I was there, I was inescapable. But you still could not speak my name. Finally, in an explosion of glass, we came together. Neither of, a, neither of us has a choice. You prefer to call me Batman, but the reason you can never escape me is that my name is Fear and I live within you. Such an interesting quote. What, what's your thoughts about that quote well just by itself with him being fear and not batman yeah um honestly it was at this point where i got the feeling of the supernatural aspect that i was mentioning okay so actually i'm kind of interested now if you're gonna if this is the point where you felt like what made you think of that automatically what was your first so, with with this comic how Bruce Wayne is talking to Batman at like they're they give you the impression that it's supposed to be his split personality and his psychosis where he's just imagining the figure there mm -hmm. but it kind of I kind of got the feeling that maybe it's like is I had this idea that maybe it's not um just all in his head maybe this could be kind of like a spirit that grew within him uh, because there there's always been like ideas of spirits manifesting themselves from uh like strong emotions so maybe it could have been his strong emotions uh tied together with his fears and the things that he experienced in life and it grew from within him no, that's an interesting thought. I'm, I'm, that's why I was kind of curious what you thought about that. Now, for me, this is more of the whole thing of, I think what I enjoyed about that quote is the fact that, you know, Bruce has always been known to be the man without fear. But the problem, or of course, that's a daredevil 
mm-hmm. flying, but still he's you know fearless he don't care but i think that's such an interesting story because this isn't just batman this is yeah. batman and bruce and it's such an interesting story how batman comes out and says i'm your fear you i live within you like this yeah. is what you i you became and it's such an interesting story because it's like in some ways it makes me feel like he caved into his fear Mm-hmm. I love that. And I thought, wow, that is such an interesting quote. Um, let's go ahead and jump right back to the conversation with Batman slash fear. Um, he starts to mention Bruce's need of companionship. We won't go over this as much, but I do kind of want to bring, you know, pretty much he talks about how Bruce you know, or like how Bruce needs Gordon and need, you know, they, you know, like Bruce responds, you know, let me rephrase. Sorry about that. Um, pretty much Bruce comes out and says he needs Gordon and Baxendale because it does help further their cause, but he will not discuss Robin, which that was kind of an interesting quote. Well, why, why do you feel he did not want to talk about Robin? I honestly don't know. It's kind of an interesting thought. Like, I know the real question I had is, say, since he said he was three years into, earlier in the story, three years into his crusade. So to me, if they're talking about Robin, they'd be talking about Dick Grayson. Yeah. But it's never really told which Robin it is. Is it Dick Grayson or is it Jason Todd? So I kind of get that glimpse of does it, mm-hmm. is it Jason because he doesn't want to talk about Robin or is it Dick Grayson? That's where my confusion was really coming into play. And, you know, either one of those could actually work because if you think about it, in some way, Batman could feel like he had failed them, mm-hmm. both Jason and Dick. Right. Because obviously Dick Grayson got to the point where as he got older he felt that he didn't want to be the sidekick anymore he wanted to like say help the world and do his own thing right and but jason was also his biggest failure yeah that's such it's one of those things i think darwin cook put granted do i think it's jason no because of how many years it is but it would be an interesting concept if jason was in those three years And somehow that's why he doesn't want to talk about Robin because it hurts him to even think about it. Now, we're going to jump to another point that I think needs to be brought up when it comes to Batman or Bruce. And this is a good point that Batman brings up, actually. That Bruce's or Batman's war on crime decreased normal street crime, but a new extreme type of crime started to rise in Gotham City. The fact that... but. There's the fact that there's only one villain that is on a whole other level than all the other villains. One who can bring chaos to the city. One who will kill people for his own amusement. That if they, Batman or Bruce, don't take it into their own hands and kill him, he will continue to cause harm to others. He states that that they must kill the Joker. Now, Bruce comes back and says that they do not kill and that they refuse to 
to have blood on his hands. Pretty much he refuses to have any blood on his hands. That's them. That's not me. I'm not going to go down to their level. But Batman said something so interesting to Bruce. You speak to me of blood. I will show you blood. I will show you death. Feel its weight take you down. Bruce Wayne, humanitarian, you self-righteous hypocrite. You talk about the sanct or sanctity of human life while you lie buried under scores of victim, human victims. What about their lives? Are they simply the cost of upholding your cowardly morality? In the final analysis, did we not create a monster? Such an interesting quote. And I and I know I said it's such an interesting quote. I don't know how many times so far. We got to just start keeping a tally. But I am telling you right now, if you love psychology, this is a book for you. This is, it brings so many things into it. But Willie, I'm going to ask you two questions. How do you feel about that quote? And how do you feel about Batman's no killing rule? Honestly, it's a very, it is a very good quote and it shows, like, it does point out a big hypocrisy how just because he's not killing people himself doesn't mean that there aren't people around him that could be dying from his consequences. Right. It, it definitely points out some stuff that he may have overlooked. Right. Now, what was it now? How do you feel about his no killing rule, though, completely? Do you agree it with does, that? It does stand true to, like, the whole theme of Batman. It's... It's like, I mean, I, I agree with it. It's It's like a fundamental that any superhero should be living by. No, I, I totally agree. I, I thought this quote was interesting. It really did spark something in me to go, what really does stop Bruce from killing somebody? And especially somebody like the Joker. Again, I'm going to bring up Red Hood in this case. This seemed very similar to Jason Todd's speech to Bruce at the end of Under the Red Hood. Both in the comic and in the movie. The fact that Jason does not understand why Bruce will not kill Joker. He's not telling him to kill anybody else. He just wants him to kill Joker, period, end of story. That's all he's asking. And Bruce has always said, I'm not going down to his level. But granted, I thought about this quote and went, huh, I really never thought about it in that light. The fact that even though you don't have blood on your hands because you didn't kill, all those people's lives that were lost to the villains are on your hands. And the fact mm -hmm. that when you really look at it, Bruce did create a monster, not just with Batman. He helped create the Joker. In some reality, if let's go to the Flashpoint paradox or the Flashpoint storyline with where Bruce or is dead in that universe. Yes, we will be covering the Flashpoint later on in the year. But, <laughs> but Bruce is dead in that universe. And it's Thomas, who's Batman, which, by the way, best Batman look in quite some time. He makes him look like the Punisher Batman. That is how sick that is. 
Not only that, Martha Wayne becomes the Joker. So that reality would have been, if he didn't have that guidance from Alfred or anybody around him, he would have became the Joker. Simple. But I think when it comes to it, it really is a good question. Do you think all those lives that were lost by villains or in the hands of villains is still on Bruce's head? You didn't save them. At this point, it's on you. You know, that's been a debate in the world of superheroes for years. Honestly, it's really hard to say, but for me, I think that you can't be held accountable for the actions of others. Right. So even if like that, even if the villain exists because of you, that doesn't mean that it was your intention to create it. Right. And what was it? And that kind of actually piggybacks off the last question I asked about how you feel about his no killing rule. In some ways, that's kind of what I was thinking, Mike. And I agree with you. It's been a long heated debate on pretty much um, is those lies on Batman's hands. Even though you didn't save him and really you're not the one that killed him, you didn't save him either. At this point, it's kind of like you failed. The hero or the villains won. They wanted to do what they got. But granted, I agree with you in that way too, where you can't really blame Bruce. You can't really blame Batman. But I do agree with the fact that they really did create a monster. They're the ones responsible for Bruce or Joker's creation. And not only that, Bruce is responsible for creating Batman. Batman's a villain at his own self. So interesting concept. I enjoy that quote a lot. And so we're going to kind of jump into a little bit more. Um, pretty much after Batman lays into Bruce, he mentions to Bruce that if it was because of them, the Joker was released into the world, which we've already talked about. The fact that every time that lunatic escapes prison and you leave it up to the justice system will eventually lead to more deaths which we have seen many times, villains usually tend to escape and cause more damage, especially the Joker, or he has thugs on the outside that will help him. Yeah. That, another thing I'd love to bring up, and, not, and kind of, like I said, going to the second question, that Bruce's code of honor is not helping the situation. Batman also asked Bruce if he is keeping the Joker alive for the fact that Batman needs to needs an arch nemesis in order to feel complete how do you feel about that question what would be your answer to that i don't know honestly do you feel that batman needs an arch nemesis that's why he doesn't kill the joker or do you feel that really there's really no arch nemesis he's just protecting god hmm it's an interesting question because like the whole Batman versus Joker thing has been a thing since the beginning, pretty much. Right. That's why I said it's such, I think, I think as far as Batman is concerned, he just wants to protect the city. As far as Joker is concerned. He said that 
it, like his whole thing is one cannot exist without the other. Exactly. It's, it, it is really, an, uh, it's, you know, I'm, you know, listen to a doc. I, I watch documentaries, especially for superheroes and things like that. Whenever I have free time. And one of my favorite ones is called necessary evil. And I forgot who stated it, but he brings up a good point. Without a hero, there's no villains. And without no villains, there's no heroes. So it does really bring up that conversation. And it really, if you guys ever have a moment to watch that, watch it. It's called Necessary Evil. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it wherever, you know, I think it's on HBO Max. Everything like that is such a great documentary. And it really does put you in the mind of a villain. And it just explores it a lot more. Now, we're going to jump right back into the story. So after Batman tells Bruce this, Bruce kind of starts to laugh it off. The fact that he is pretty much talking to himself is insane, pretty much. But Batman then shuts him up and tells Bruce that if he ignores him now, if he tries to push him back into his subconscious, Batman promises that he will torment him the rest of his life. After this part kind of happened, Bruce admits that Batman is right. That the choices that he has made has made has had its repercussions. Bruce starts to say that this has been hard on him, but he feels that he owes it to the people he has sworn to protect to be Batman. He goes on to ask Batman how to carry on. Now, this is probably one of the most interesting parts of the story. Now, I have a lot of notes on this, so please bear with me. This is, I am for everybody who knows, I'm a history major, but I'm also a psychology minor. So some of this stuff is just so interesting to read. This is what happens next. Batman comes to a solution and tells Bruce, let's go to an old friend of yours and learn from his example. Let's go to Harvey Dent. Now, Willie, who's Harvey Dent? Harvey Dent, one of the best villains of Batman, in my opinion. That would be Two-Face. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, Starry kind of is complicated, but one of my favorite things that they do is he has a split personality. That big for a second there, I thought you were for a second there, I thought you were gonna say for anyone who doesn't know Two-Face is like if there's anyone who doesn't know Two-Face, they're not fans. <laughs> um if you guys are interested or you guys don't know, like maybe if you guys watch movies more than comics, um, it was played by Tommy Lee Jones in the Batman Forever story and um Aaron Eckert from Dark Knight. Now, by far I still agree. I know Willie, you might disagree. Aaron Eckert, by far to me has been the best two-face out there oh i don't disagree with you yeah tommy lee jones i'm sorry i i, I couldn't get behind you as two-face but <laughs> that was bad that was a bad that was a bad harvey Dent. Yeah. it looked like he had toothpaste on the side of it literally what it looked like and i was like how like how does that work <laughs> and he was more of a comedy character in that movie instead of being a serious character and yeah. to me, Harvey, there's so many villains in Batman's rogue gallery that can be comedy. But somebody like Harvey Dent is more serious. You can't joke with him. Like, like him, Mr. Freeze, even Bane, you can't really joke with. But somebody like Joker, Riddler, things like that, you can joke with a little bit more. You can understand their stories. But Two Faces was not one. But 
we went off off on a tangent there. We're going to get right back to the story. Now, this is what Batman proposes. Let's do what Harvey does. Pretty much whatever Batman is accounted for, or pretty much whatever Batman's responsible for, Bruce can't be held accountable. So meaning that's how Two-Face gets away with things. When Two-Face does something, Harvey's not held responsible. Because it wasn't Harvey in control. It was Two-Face. Now, Willie, I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about that concept? Do you agree with that concept where if somebody has a split personality like that, like say Two-Face in that example, Mm Two-Face does something, but Harvey's not held responsible. How do you feel about that? You know, in a way, I kind of agree with that because when you think about that, split personalities and having no control of the over the other side of you mm-hmm. like say your other personality does something and you wind up in jail and then all of a sudden you're the other personality again right. and you have no idea how you're there right and you don't recall ever doing anything you have no recollection it's almost like they there's no reason that they can I, I don't feel like there's a good reason for them to be able to uh, condemn you for it because it wasn't in your control. Right. Now, one thing I do love about Bruce in the story is he pretty much came back and said, you're pretty much telling me you want me to be Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent is mentally ill. There is no way I'm going to do that. So Batman comes to a conclusion of this. He discusses some warriors throughout history have had to make the best the decision that war has casualties, that even his hero as a child, Zorro, which in the story, when we talk about his childhood, when he's with his dad, that's a toy he got. That's the hero he admired was Zorro. Now, Zorro, he brings up how to even make that decision. If he was going to kill or if he wasn't. And he did kill at points. As Bruce reminds him that he doesn't kill, Batman thinks he knows why. The fact that his father was a healer, plus he also saw his parents murdered right in front of him. Now, again, like we said, Thomas was a doctor. Thomas was a healer. He did take care of things. How do you feel about that little analysis? Do you agree with it? Or do you feel, like I agree with the whole part of his parents being murdered because he always stated he did not want to see other people go through the same thing he did. Mm -hmm. But do you agree with the fact that his father was a healer? Absolutely. Honestly. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like that was the person of your upbringing, his morals like drained down to you. So you have somebody that values protecting and saving lives and the value in those. And passing that along to bruce it would just make sense how we would want to keep that like characteristic about him right interesting it, yeah because it's one of it's it's kind of like you think about it the, one of the last things that he got from his father right and i agree with you i think that's such an interesting because i always knew what like i said i always knew about his parents being murdered we all know that any batman fan even if you're not a batman fan knows his parents were murdered and that's how he starts his road to becoming Batman. But I never really thought about his dad being a healer. 
I never really thought that's the reason why he does not kill. And because, mind you, for history fans that want to go back to old Batman comics, Batman used to kill. He had guns on him. But then, of course, codes come into play and everything like that. And then all those guns went away. Then we get characters like Punisher in the 80s and stuff. So they didn't last very long. But granted, going back to the story. But I always thought when he said that, it's kind of like, huh, I never really thought about it that way. Like, that could be a possibility. Yeah. So pretty much Batman then suggests that they should be separate entities. The fact that pretty much Bruce is not responsible, again, going back to the whole conversation, Bruce is not responsible for Batman's actions and vice versa. Bruce Wayne is one person, Batman's another. But Bruce then says, pretty much he's asking him, like, you're pretty much asking me to voluntarily split our personalities. And Bruce pretty much refuses, saying that he's responsible for creating Batman the way he is not for somebody else who wants him to be something else. Great comeback on that. I am who I am. You're not changing me. And so we get, we're getting close to the end of the story. Pretty much, I look at it this way. Since Batman did not get his way, then like a little baby in some ways, he actually puts the gun that killed Bruce's parents in his hands. And tells him to kill him. If you're not going to do what I want. You're going to kill me. It's what Batman gives, tells Bruce. Bruce says he can't shoot him. Because it would be committing suicide. Do you agree with that? Well. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Honestly. Because. As something that was born from Bruce Wayne himself. It essentially is him. Right. I, I agree with that. I, I've, I thought that because it was like, again, going back to the whole creation thing, Bruce did create Batman. Without Bruce, there would be no Batman. And it is an interesting quote when he said that. When I thought that, I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and read that again. And I went back and I was like, that does make a lot of sense. Um. Batman then goes on to say to Bruce after he refuses, Bruce refuses to kill Batman. Um, he states this, we lost our normal life a long time ago. We cannot change the past. All we can do is pr protect others and allow them to change the chance or allow them the chance, sorry, for the happiness that will never, what will never have. You have to accept that. I, I like that quote. Thought that was another good quote from Batman. Batman has brought up a lot of good quotes and questions to Bruce in the story. And the fact here is that I feel that, again, I agree with that. They can't go back and change the past. All they can do now is protect others to, so people can ha not experience the same thing they did. But granted, that doesn't give you the value to kill somebody because you're no better than they are at that point. So we're going to continue on. Pretty much we're getting near the end of the story now. Bruce tells them, or tells Batman pretty much, there is a line we can never cross. There's That's no killing. Even though Batman is a terrifying symbol to the underworld, it is also a positive symbol to the good people of the city. He tells Batman, too, if he can live with that, then Bruce could live 
with the responsibility of being Batman. Batman agrees. What we find out is this Batman was his picture that he was looking at. So pretty much in some ways you can look at it as he was talking to his picture the whole time, the, the whole family's picture. Pretty much the story ends with Batman going back on patrol, listening into Gordon's conversation, tells him he's on his way, and he takes off. We don't know what's going on. We just know that he's going to a case. That ends the story. Again, very quick story, Batman, in this about 200-page book. But it's an interesting story. It's a very psychological story. Willie, how did you feel about this story? It's honestly grown to be one of my favorites. It is just be yeah, it just because of how the psychosis of what a superhero would have to deal with in his daily routine. Right. I mean, you don't get a lot of that. Uh, more recently, a lot more comics and movies have been tapping more into that right. mentality of what the heroes go through uh, when they're processing just. Uh, the actions they take right. so it's it, it's a really good one i i love this story for the fact again bringing up the whole split personality thing i think that's one of the biggest things is to me you would think that batman is his own thing bruce is one thing but batman is his own that is like his main person he is mm -hmm. bruce is more batman than bruce is bruce and do you agree with that statement or what? How do you feel about that? Like, Bruce is more Batman, period. That's his main persona more than he is. I can, I can see that. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from with that one. And two, I also love the fact that he brought up the no killing because when you really do think about it, they did create a monster. So, isn't our jobs to end monsters instead of bringing them to the world or allowing them to bring more chaos to the world? Yeah. It, is by far one of the greatest stories I've ever read of Batman. Um, when we went and did our top five, unfortunately, this book did not make my top five. There was, but mind you, when it comes to Batman, Batman has such a great library of stories. You can't really choose one over the other. It is, it's so hard to compete on what is what. If I didn't choose, there was only one story I was competing with with this, and that's with. Um, city of bane just because i thought ego does really talk about his psychosis like you said but i went what's one people are going to more relevate to ego or city of bane people are going to more relevate to city of bane yeah but ego was in my honorable mentions and i know willie i know you i believe you had it in your honorables as well with ego. yeah yeah such a great story we recommend it please go look it up Go buy it at your local comic book store. Um, it's called Batman Ego and Other Tales written by the great late Darwin Cook. And I say late, rest in peace, Mr. Darwin Cook. He passed away back in 2016. Um, by far one of my favorite writers of all time. If you love politics, you love psychology, you love history, his books are the way to go. And I fell in love with the stories from DC The New Frontier. And then that's how I was introduced to Batman Ego. So Please go pick it up at your local comic book stores. Please support them. You know, we're we're big supporters of our local stores. We want to help people, you know, especially with something like that. 
Um, and we thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, you can find us out on Instagram and at Facebook at Comic Talkers. Um, you can also listen to our podcast anywhere on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, my name is Brandon. And I'm Alfred. That makes me Bruce Wayne. I'll take that. I gave you that on purpose. Yes, I will take that. <laughs> Please keep comics the top of your discussion. Bye.